Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Now, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for uh, today and for our time together. Lord, thank you for just a sweet time of worship to be reminded that you are God. And you are worthy of our praise. And we love you, Jesus. And I pray that this evening that our worship has been from our whole hearts and all of our mind and our whole, all that is within us. And that we've demonstrated how much we love you. Lord, as we come to your word, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and uh, just pray that you speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, change us today. Remind us that you are always with us and that you are always, always available. We love you, Lord, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible, we are in uh, the book of Romans, chapter 8, and we have been for the last few months going through the study of the exchanged life. And we've been looking at the scripture, trying to understand What is it that God expects of us after the cross? And what has Jesus afforded us after his death and resurrection? What should life look like for the believer, for the follower of Christ, after our salvation? And I got to tell you, it's been eye-opening. It's been encouraging to see all the things that Jesus has done for us. Removing our sin. Giving us eternal life. Ceasing the hostility between God the Father and ourselves. Giving us an inheritance in heaven. And so much more. But today in our text, in, in, Acts, in, in, in Romans chapter 8, excuse me, we finally get an answer to the question that Paul posed at the end of Romans chapter 7. In Romans chapter 7, verse 24, Paul asks the question, O wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? And Paul was agonizing because on the one hand, he is serving God with his mind, but on the other hand, he's serving sin with his flesh, and there is this tension within him, and he finds himself helpless, sometimes even hopeless, in this struggle between serving God and serving his flesh. And then he gives us the answer. Romans chapter 7, verse 25, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on the one hand, I myself with my mind, I am serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. Paul says the answer to our struggle with sin that is continual is Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, that raises the question, how is Jesus going to deliver us from this daily struggle with the flesh and our minds? Well, answer, enter the Holy Spirit. The answer is the Holy Spirit. And Paul introduces him here in Romans chapter 8. And I don't know if you've noticed, but we've seen the whole Trinity at work in our salvation. We've seen the Father send the Son. 
We've seen the Son die on a cross for our sins and afford us eternal life and the forgiveness of our sins. And now we see the Holy Spirit come in to sanctify us, to put us in a position so that we sin less. And it's the Holy Spirit that Paul has explained, who has set us free from the sin of law and death. That the, it was the Spirit who allowed the, the, the law to be fulfilled through us. And by us, I mean those of us who walk in the Spirit. You know, last week, Pastor Greg talked about two types of people. The saints and the ain'ts. One, one old pastor said sometime, some years ago. Those who set their minds on the things of the flesh and those who set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And we learned last week that those who set their minds on the things of the flesh, that they're hostile towards God. That they don't subject themselves to the law of God. And matter of fact, they can't, the scripture says. Paul says they can't even please God. But on the other hand, those who set their minds on the things of the Spirit, Paul said there is life and peace that there is life, abundant life, eternal life that's available now. Not when we die, but now. And there's peace. This idea of, in, in Hebrew, of shalom, this, this inner tranquility and this external tranquility, regardless of what's happening around us, there's this sense of peace. And it's all because of Jesus. And there is no in-between. You are either setting your mind continually on the things of the flesh or you're setting your mind continually on the things of the Spirit. There's no gray area, the Scripture says. Now here's a question for you. Which camp are you in? Are you in that camp that sets their mind on the things of the flesh? You might come to church. You might come to worship. You might come to activities. But do you really belong to Jesus? And on the other side, are you really setting your minds on things of the Spirit? Because sometimes we, 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 we sin, we, we trip up, we get angry, we get frustrated. Does that make us any less followers of Jesus Christ? Well, Paul has an answer. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, he gives us that answer. Paul says that we belong to Jesus if the Spirit of God dwells in us. Look at the text, Romans 8, verse 9. Paul says, matter of fact, let me back up to start in verse 6. For all Paul says, for the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace, because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. Verse 8, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, Paul says, verse 9, you were not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Paul is writing to the church at Rome. And he realizes that there are some who will belong to Jesus who will hear this letter read, and he understands there will be some who will hear this letter read who won't belong to Jesus. And he says, you were not in the flesh, if, however, the, indeed the Spirit of God 
dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. That's a hard truth. Paul says that if you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, then you belong to Jesus Christ. And that if you don't have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, then you don't belong to Christ. That's hard to hear. The Holy Spirit is so important in our lives and He does so many great things for us. For example, He seals us when we hear the gospel and accept it. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. That's to the right. Ephesians chapter 1. Look at what Paul tells the Ephesian church about the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Paul says this. He says, In him you also, after listening to the, the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him, in Christ, with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view of, to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Paul says that when you heard the gospel and you believed the gospel, that the Holy Spirit took it resident within you and he sealed you. And he was given as a pledge, as a promise, with the day of redemption in view. Now, I'm from Arkansas. I don't sound like it, but I am. Now, and before Walmart, there was Kmart. You remember that? Years back. And Kmart had this thing where if you wanted to buy something but didn't have enough money, it was called layaway. You ever heard of that concept? Where you would go to the store, you would, you would pick out some items, you'd go to the back of the store where there was a desk, you'd give them your items, and you would put down a deposit on those items with the, with the promise, I'm going to come back when I have the money and redeem this merchandise. That's what the Holy Spirit does with us. When we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, when he saves us, when we believe, he comes in and he seals us. That's the down payment. Until the day that we're redeemed, when either we leave this life to go be with Jesus or he comes back to get us. Either way, until then, the Holy Spirit is with us and he seals us, Paul says. I know there's some who teach that when you come to Jesus and you get the Holy Spirit, you only get a portion of him. And then when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you get the rest of him. Theologically, that's not true. When Jesus saves you and the Holy Spirit seals you, you have all the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get. You have all the Holy Spirit you're ever going to need. I was talking with a colleague on Friday, and we were working out an issue at work, and one said, oh, is that an iWatch? I said, why, yes, it is. It was a gift from my son. And I said, but you know what? It's, it's just a watch. That's what I use it for. It's a watch. It's capable of so much more besides keeping time. But for me, it's, it's a watch, pure and simple. What's my point? Is that the Holy Spirit is much, so much more than just the comforter. He is God of very God. He's the one who saves us. He's the one who sanctifies us. He's the one who we're going to see in a minute makes us alive in Christ. 
is the one that gives us the ability to say no when we're tempted to sin. He does so much more. If we even remember that he's there and that he's available. And so Paul says, if you have the Holy Spirit, you belong to Jesus Christ. Conversely, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you don't belong to Christ. And that's a really hard truth because we have relatives and friends and neighbors and, co and colleagues and co-workers who don't have the Holy Spirit, who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And the Bible says that, if, that when they die, if they die without knowing Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they're going to open their eyes in a place of torment, conscious torment for eternity. And who wants their neighbors and their relatives and their friends to go to a place of continual conscious torment forever and ever and ever? None of us do. That's why it's so important for you and me to share the good news of the gospel. Amen? The gospel is the only thing that will save, that will change the heart. It is the mechanism that God uses to bring sinners into eternal life. But if you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to Jesus Christ. Look at what old Paul says. That our spirit has been made alive. Look at verse 10 with me. Paul continues, If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Paul says, Even though this flesh is dead because of sin and is of no value currently, that our spirit is alive because of righteousness. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, makes our spirit alive. Makes us responsive to God. Now we can, we can sing songs of worship and please God. We can sing songs of praise to Jesus and please Him. We can read the Word of God and understand it and follow it and live it out and bring glory to our great God and King. We can read about what Jesus requires of us in His Word about how to forgive, about how not to be angry, about how not to gossip. We can do those things now because of the Holy Spirit who's within us. He makes us receptive. He makes us alive. He makes us less responsive to sin. I sin less now than I do when I first became a believer. A whole lot less. Thank the Lord for that. And hopefully you do too. But it's all because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because the Bible said he makes us alive. He regenerates us. Paul tells Titus in, in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. He says this. It's on the screen. But when the kindness of our God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds, which we had done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Paul tells Titus, who is this, this young pastor on the Isle, the Isle of Crete, he says that it was the Holy Spirit who 
by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, making us alive again, making us receptive to the word of God, making us receptive to the call of God. It's the Holy Spirit's job to make us alive. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 3, that truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, here's a word we don't use very much today, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And the Holy Spirit causes us to be regenerated, born again. Spiritual life, spiritual vitality, spiritual eyes and ears, able to discern the things of God, able to hear the voice of God through his word and respond to him, able to please him. But the Spirit also convicts us. In, in John chapter 16, verses 7 through 11, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, I, but I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, and he who comes will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Verse 9, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, and concerning righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no longer, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. The Holy Spirit convicts us concerning sin. And at some point in time, you and I were in the world, and at some point we, we got convicted in our sin. There was something different. As the Spirit drew us to Jesus. There was something different about how we responded to our sin. And he says he will convict us concerning righteousness. He helps us to realize that it's not my righteousness. It's not a self-righteousness, but it's his righteousness that will get us to the Father. And concerning judgment, because the world has been judged already. The ruler of this world, the enemy, Satan, has been judged. And we once followed him, but now, thanks, thanks be to God, Jesus has saved us from that judgment. And so our spirits are now alive and sensitive to the things of God, no longer calloused, able to respond to what God has to say to us. Lastly, Paul says that our bodies will be made alive. Look at verse 11. Romans chapter 8. Paul says this, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Paul says one day, still future uh, promise, our bodies will be made alive. Translation, will be just like Jesus we'll have a glorified body. All the chocolate cake I can handle. Never gain an ounce. Can't wait. No more working out. But we're going to be just like Jesus. Unable to sin. And I can't wait. Responsive fully and wholly to God. Paul tells the Corinthian church this in 1 Corinthians 5, uh, 15, verse 51. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We, sh we will not all sleep. And the idea here is we won't all die. 
but we will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will, will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For, the, for, the per, for this perishable, this body, Paul says, must put on imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. That's going to be us one day. Whether we've already died or we're alive when Jesus comes back, our bodies are going to be changed. They're going to be glorified. And the Spirit will have a hand in this. And Paul tells the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, that our citizenship is not that it is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. That Jesus, when he returns, we're going, to be, we're going to be changed. And it's a glorious day that we can't wait for. That's our hope, to be like he is, to be able to stand physically in the presence of our Savior, in the presence of God the Father. See, we've truly been delivered from the old life. We've been delivered from that body of death that we've been wrestling with all of this time because of the Holy Spirit. But, okay, here's a question. How can we be sure that we belong to Jesus? How can we know for certain that Jesus Christ is ours and that we are his? Well, we've got to be fruit inspectors. We've got to inspect the fruit. Go to the next slide. Guy says, yep, that, this is death fruit, all right. That's Adam in the garden, by the way. We have to be fruit inspectors. Not this kind of fruit, but we've got to look at our own lives. And Jesus says, you need to look at your own life first before you try to help somebody else out. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, he says this. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Listen to this. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold, the log is in your own eye? Jesus says, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Rod, what does that mean? What are you trying to say? If we want to know that if we belong to Jesus Christ, examine our own lives and see how we fall. Because the mind set on the flesh produces fruit. Turn to Galatians with me, chapter 5. I want you to read this for yourself. Galatians, it's to the right, Galatians chapter 5. If you get to Ephesians, you went too far. But Galatians chapter 5, Paul says this to the church at Galatia, verse 19 through 21. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. They're, they're, they're obvious, Paul says. Which are immorality, impurity, 
sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, and drunkenness, carousing. Are we hitting a nerve yet? And things like these, of which I forewarn you, and, have, and just as I have forewarned you, here it is, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you practice the items on this vice list, if these items characterize your life, Paul says, not Rod, Paul says you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because these are the deeds of the flesh. This is the fruit that the flesh produces. Make sense? Good. Conversely, those who set their minds on the things of the Spirit also produce fruit. Look at what Paul says, verse, verse uh, 19, not 19, verse 21 of Galatians. Look at what Paul says. He says, now the, the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, including the law of sin and death. And what's interesting is this, these, the things in this vice list all represent some aspect of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If this characterizes your life in an ongoing fashion, in an increasing fashion, then you know that the Spirit of God is at work in you. If you can look over your life and you see less and less of verse 19 through 21 and more and more verses 22 and 23, that lets you know that the Spirit is in, that he's working in you to make you more and more like, like Jesus. So when Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's a praiseworthy moment when you realize that the exchanged life is a wonderful life, that it's something that we couldn't do in and of ourselves, but that God has done a great work in us and is working in us to make us more like his son. Because one day we will stand before Jesus face to face, each of us individually, and give an account for our lives. And I can't wait to hear those words prayerfully. Well done, my good and faithful servant. But now, today, until then, i got to let the Spirit work in me. You have to let the Spirit work in you. Amen? So that we sin less and become more and more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we demonstrate to the world this exchanged life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just want to say thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that you have sent to indwell us and to empower us and to teach us everything that we need to know to be more like you so that the world can see you in us. And Lord, I don't know where everybody is in, in the relationship with you, what they're struggling with in life,
but I know that you know. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that tonight you would help us to be more and more like Jesus, to live our lives in such a way that Jesus is glorified through us. And Lord, may you be pleased. Father in heaven, may you be pleased with the things that we do and say. May they bring you honor and not shame today. And we ask this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.
Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.